1: innovation and partnership we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day to find out more visit parker.com slash purpose parker engineering your success
2: on november 11th join us for Benzinga's seventh annual fintech awards it's going to be a day full of networking deal making and recognition of incredible achievements that you won't want to miss Coming to you
3: live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's pre-market prep.
2: Okay, I think
3: we have Joel. Joel, Joel, do, do we? You have me? Joel, we do. Do I have you? I think I have. We have you. your audio? We have Joel's audio. We don't have his video. Wait, wait, we have his video too. Joel. Yes. You hear me?
4: Yeah, but I hear. It, well, I, I hear a slight echo.
3: Okay, yeah, that's this that's, this
5: is good because Joel's headset is not working, so we got him on Oh, yeah, Joel,
3: Joel, 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 do you still hear an echo? I think you probably don't.
5: And you're live in the show, Joel. and we're live.
4: Nothing. Joel uh, I'm okay. <laughs> we, we,
5: <laughs> that's we, 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 hey, I, I think we got him. I think <laughs> remember when I was on CNBC ten years ago and my airpiece fell out, and I couldn't hear anything. that was a disaster. Joel, <laughs>
3: Joel confirm you can hear me. I can hear you, Spencer. Boom! That's called figuring things out on the fly. All right. I, I got him.
5: Phone in audio. Phone a friend. <laughs> phone a friend. We phone oh, Joel. All right.
3: <laughs> yes. Thank you, technology. We'll have to get Joel some new headphones today. I don't know what's going on there. Good morning, everyone. I'm sorry I relate. We have the, the three amigos. We're here. We got Joel via phone. It's a whole thing. I don't want to get into it. Uh, we're going to talk about some earnings today. We're going to talk about Tesla. We're going to talk about VMware and Dell. Craig Johnson is our guest from Piper Sandler. So we got a lot to get to, not a lot of time to get to it. Joel, do you want to start with your levels from the overnight session?
4: Yeah, we're up a buck and a quarter at uh, 4607 uh, right off the pre-market high of 875 Crude down 74 cents at 8331. Gold down 330 at 70, 17.92 and a half. Silver under 24, down 15 cents at 2392. Bitcoin up about 1963550 and And Ethereum's going the same way. Up $91 at 49,69, 4469.50.
3: Awesome. Awesome. All right. We got through it. Um, I want to start with Tesla here today, everyone, because there's a number of headlines as it pertains to that stock, aren't there always? Um, Number one, uh, Elon Musk commented that the deal with Hertz has not yet been signed, if that's the thing that I guess the market cares about that deal, apparently, because it is a lot of revenue. So I guess there's a reason to care. Well, it's
5: tacked on about. I don't know, what, $200 billion worth of market cap for yeah. that
3: deal? Yeah. It's
5: yeah. so, <laughs> so, 100,000 oh, cars.
3: Well, that's one thing. Second thing is they are doing a small small recall. They're recalling 12,000 cars in the U.S. because of a software error. And then headlines number three and four, and I'll bring them up in Benzinger Pro here. I'll zoom in on my news feed. The headlines in red. We got some comments yesterday from Gordon Johnson, and this morning – From Gene Munster, both speculating on a stock split, both agreeing. They agree that a stock split is probably in the cards. Gordon Johnson says another one is highly likely. Gene thinks, yeah, probably in the next year. Have Gene and Gordo ever agreed on
5: anything to do with Tesla?
3: I don't know. I think
5: this is a first. I think this is a first. I don't think they've ever agreed. They're always fighting each other. I've seen them on CNBC. I've seen them on our show. Uh, they obviously are on different, you know, perspectives on Tesla, but they both agree on the t- stock split. So look at that. We found 30. we found the happy place with Gene and Gene and Gordo.
6: So
3: between all of that, between all of that, the stock is trading off its low, but still down for the day. Yeah,
5: with all I mean, the- you're overbought. It was eventually going to have a pullback. Is the party over? Probably not. I mean, why? Why is it going to end here? We're coming into th- – I was just talking with Mitch on you know, the pre-pre-market show while you guys were figuring out all your technical gremlins. Me and Mitch were talking stocks and just talking about the environment that we're in. And this is the FOMO environment. It's a story environment. I mean, and Tesla is the FOMO story stock. So I do not believe this is over. I do not believe the 1208 is going to be the all-time high. Could it be the high for a few days? Sure. Can we get some consolidation, sure, but on pullbacks here, people are be looking to jump back in this. I think it's still going higher. I
4: haven't even hit yesterday's low yet. Eleven eighteen sixty nine pre market low comes in at eleven and a quarter thirty one. Probably find resistance at the close if you get back up there. And we were discussing on the late show yesterday the twelve hundred calls. Yeah. On the close, we're going for like $38, $40. On the weeklies? That's in a nice way.
3: On the, week- on, the week- on the weeklies.
5: On the weeklies. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> $40 on the twelve hundreds dollars on the weeklies. There is premium in there. His premium is jacked. Yeah. I guess up. you know what? You know, but you think about well, it, it's 1240 dollars break even. I mean, uh, it's 1208 dollars So I guess it makes sense, Joel, because. You think about well, twelve forty easily done. That could have been done today if it would have went the other way. So the, the volatility is so high in the stock right now. Premiums are
3: jacked up. Can I can I read you Elon's tweet? Uh, yes, I, please. I, I, want, I want to read Elon's tweet because e- even he seems a little bit incredulous at at what is happening here. And I can't say I blame him. So this is his tweet from 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 uh, yesterday. Uh, if any of this is based on hurts. I'd like to emphasize that no contract has been signed yet.
5: They <laughs> might talk their stock down more than Tesla too. Remember when? Go on. Go, keep reading. I want Tesla to. Tesla has
3: far this. more demand than production. Therefore, we will only sell cars to Hertz for the same margin as the cost of consumers. Hertz deal has zero effect on our economics. All right. So it's funny like you see
5: these big pops. remember when it had the big pop from like 200 to 750 and then he's like yep. it's probably stock's probably getting a little bit ahead of itself and yep. since that moment in time the stock <laughs> has only went up like fivefold further than that yep. so i mean he's he, he tries to you know and maybe that's the job of a ceo to like cool the expectations a little bit i mean the bar is obviously very high here but it's funny that he comes out and say hey if we're just rallying just comes to this hurts deal it's not even done
3: yet i mean
5: it's not very often ceos come out like that
3: i I think he's probably the only ceo that's ever said hey yeah our stock is probably overvalued but you know i know he can get that was
5: that was like a thousand points ago
3: he can get away with it though that's the thing
5: (laughs) yeah people are like oh no he's just in and then buy it anyways yeah yeah. ultimate fomo stock
3: yeah for sure yeah Yeah, it's the ultimate
5: fomo stock I, I Joel, what are your thoughts? You own this thing. Are you ever selling it? I mean, it's it's My. been a bad call every time we think it's topping out, it just doesn't top out. So you know, you're a genius for being buy and hold. You and Raz making all. And, well, Kathy sells, but you you and Raz making all the money on this thing, this Tesla. What are you ever selling it?
4: I don't know. I mean, <laughs> what's, what's like your value. cost basis?
5: What is your cost basis on Tesla? I
4: had it before the split. I don't
5: even. I don't want to look at it. I don't want to look at it. What is it like, 200? Your cost just, basis? Maybe Less?
4: 430 or something. No, you're so in cheaper
5: than that. I think you're in cheaper. Yeah. Than you. wow. You've been in for a while. I think you were in 430 pre split and then you got to knock it down by five. I think you're in like 80, 90 bucks. You've been in this a yeah. long time.
4: Years. Not as big a position as I want.
5: <laughs> no well it, it's growing every day at what point in time does it just take over your portfolio remember Raz, it started as a small piece of his portfolio and i think it was up to like 30 percent Raz's portfolio it's J- probably even higher now jason
3: did sell a little bit
5: oh he did sell some he
3: sold a little bit at like six or seven hundred a little bit not not you know but it, it's, every it's more-
5: time he sells tesla it's seller's remorse i have no idea does any of it make sense? No, but it doesn't even matter. We're in this story fairy tale market where you know this is this is in a lot of stocks. It's actually more extreme than 1999. You know, could it all burst one day? Absolutely. Is it going to burst one day? Probably. Do we know what day that is? Hell no, we don't know. So we ride the party until we can't ride anymore. Cool tweet from Jeff Wininger. I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name. Uh, from Wisdom Tree, he said at the dot com high. There were 29 stocks in the S&P 500 with a price to sales ratio of 10 or more. Uh, just count. he just counted today. So there was 10 there's 29 with a price to sales ratio of 10 or more back in 1999 when we had the huge tech bubble. Today, Spencer, there is 84. We are partying like it's 1999 in a hell of a lot of stocks. Does it end like the year 2000? And do we you know, die by a thousand cuts and have a two-year tech bear market? I don't know. I think eventually it does. But I mean, right now, there is no signs of that happening. We are set up to rally into the end of the year. I've put on more risk. I mean, you have to when stocks are breaking out. s and are making new all-time highs. I'm buying smaller stuff. You know, I'm just adding more risk to my longer term portfolio for the simple reason
3: is that I have FOMO as well. (laughs) I don't want to miss out either. Here's another tweet that I saw last night. All right. And this is just Tesla's market cap. And remember remember the days when Tesla's market cap would go up at like a, a nice... Steady, consistent, reasonable growth rate. One to two, two to three. 18 is big, but 18 to 27, 27 to then 30. Then sat there for like three years. And 30, did nothing. 53 to 54. Oh, to 81. Oh, to 658 billion. to, <laughs> to 1.2 trillion. Like, <laughs> The one consideration, which, you
5: know, when we screwed up two, three years, not Joel, because Joel's been <laughs> long it, but in our analysis where we kept comparing it to the traditional auto companies is that they don't have those marketing expenses and their margins are a hell of a lot higher. Yeah. So you have to give it a premium for those reasons, like a significant premium. Do you have to give it, you know, like $1.2 trillion compared to $40, 50 billion in the automotive? It, it It's got the premium, I'll tell you that now. But looking back. And thinking, you know, it was the margins, and obviously, back when we were looking two, three years ago, it's tough too, because you know they were they were leaking cash, they weren't making money. You know, it was a it was a completely you know different. You know, it was a, a question of like there was a lot of people coming on our show saying it wasn't going to survive. Um, me and Jeremy said it would survive. That's why I wrote long term puts on it. Uh, but you know, again, it would have been better instead of writing long term puts, I would have been better to buy the stock. It would have made a hell of a lot more money. Well, probably not me because I sell too soon, but. Uh, It's been incredible. I don't think the story is over. I think it needs to cool off. I think it could see a 1,000 again, but I think it's going to be buyers lining up on a 50% retracement of this recent move. And if it gets a 50% retracement of the recent move, I
3: might even try it, but that would only be as a trade. Again, but, but, Tesla will not enter. Let's my not act play. like this was all easy money because Tesla. The, the stock did nothing for three years. 2014. It hasn't was, been easy at all, right? 2014, 2015, 2016. Hold. The stock basically traded in that range. It, the range was 250 to 500 pre-split. Um, wicked pullbacks, Spencer. There's yeah. been some wicked ones in there. Yeah. Like looking back.
5: Yep. So you're exactly right. I mean, even on the big run-up, like, okay, so from 2016 to 2019, you're right. It did absolutely nothing. It took the pandemic to kickstart this stock. Because if you look back, 2016, the stock was 46 bucks. 2019, the stock was $35. Actually, it's, it did run before the pandemic. It ran to the end of 2019 and early 2020. But it had the pull back to 70 during the pandemic. And then we've just been gone ever since. I mean, I do see more Teslas on the road. So Jason, you know, For being sure. on our show so many times was absolutely right. You see a lot more Teslas on the road. They don't need to market, which is huge. And they're making money. So great company, done everything right. I love the genius of Elon Musk. I've never liked the valuation. That's why I can't stomach having it in my long-term portfolio. Even when it was back at 300, it's like the stock that I wanted in my portfolio, but it's the stock I couldn't stomach in my portfolio. I couldn't sleep well at night holding the stock. And even though it was like 1% of my portfolio, I couldn't sleep well at night. And that's why um, if it's affecting, you know, your other performance and your other stocks and you have to like watch this one and you're glued to it and you're babysitting it. Well, then there's a cost, an opportunity cost involved with holding it. And that's what I couldn't stomach. I couldn't stomach the opportunity cost. Yep.
3: Yeah. That, that's,
5: that's the way it is. It's a, it's a consideration like people, you know, and, and that's something, you know, the, the mental capital, it's like why I don't trade all the earnings reports. Cause if you've got, a bunch of other trades on 30, 40 stocks, and then you're trading the earnings, you can't monitor those other positions. So it all depends. If you're trading one stock and you, all your mental capital is going into one stock, then you can pretty much trade anything. But you've got to consider that mental capital and the opportunity cost of, if, if one stock is taking so much of your mental capital, you don't have enough capital to go around. That's why I typically you know, don't just stick Tesla in the long-term portfolio because I would monitor it too much. Yeah, But if you like Joel, you just buy and hold and don't look at it. That's the way to own Tesla, I guess. I just think at this point in time, I don't know. I feel like I've totally missed it at this point in time. I'm not Ed, jumping
3: in now. Ed, I feel you, man. Hey, if you're in Tesla like Joel, like Jason, congratulations. You deserve... A cookie and a pat on the back. You, do. you You do. You you you, you, you right, did good.
4: This is, this is more than a Tesla show. Let's move on.
3: Okay, fine. We'll, do, <laughs> we'll doesn't move doesn't on. Who doesn't want to talk about it? Okay. Stock. Okay. This is an interesting one here. So, Dell VMware, right? We know that they've been to, sort of joined at the hip now uh for the last decade or so, right? That is not the case anymore. The the, sp- the spin off. Goes into has gone into effect effective today or effective at the close yesterday. So, uh, if you own VMware, you are yeah. getting a, a big old special dividend. A twelve billion dollar special dividend is being paid out to VMware shareholders uh, this effective uh, this morning. Yeah. Um. Uh, th- that that's coming from Dell. Uh, selling their, they're spinning off their stake, right? So, uh, VMware and Dell, with which trade together, uh, are not going to trade together anymore, as of now.
5: And also, if you're a Dell shareholder, you're receiving from the spinoff, I believe it's 0.44 shares of VMware. Yes, that's correct. It, so it, you're getting one... stuff in both cases. So don't worry, Dell didn't just fall $60 on you. You're getting a big chunk of VMware. So if you take the 0.44 times the price of, you know, and you do all the adjustments, Dell's closing price, so my system does it all for it, which is nice, uh, $56.41. So Dell is actually trading up. Uh, today, despite you looking at it and saying it's down fifty bucks, if you yep. just you know didn't know about the spinoff, so you're actually trading higher. And VM, where are the adjusted close after all the special dividend is one twenty five oh five. So both stocks are actually trading in the green today, even though if you have a crappy filter, a crappy scanner, it's showing like they're significantly down. That is not the case. So don't panic. They're not.
3: How does that work for options? Christian wants to know. They I all think, adjust. I think they have the strikes just adjust, right?
5: Yes, they do. The, the options will adjust. So your puts didn't all of a sudden just become huge money there. They will adjust. They don't adjust for the little common dividends. They adjust for the special divvies there. So when you're doing those huge special dividends and you're getting spinoffs and stuff, the options will adjust. Well, that's pretty much it. I mean, the, the charts are going to be all messed up here now on these stocks. <laughs> so maybe we uh, should look at these for a little Well, The Dell chart adjusted. My Dell chart adjusted. Mine so, did, anyway. Mine didn't. <laughs> Mine adjusted. Mine looks good. The VMware, actually, both of my charts, they both adjusted. So, actually, great, great. Joel, charts Joel's good. charts have not adjusted. Pro, props to NeoVest. NeoVest will give you a shout out there. You did good on this one. They adjusted them correctly. A lot of times, they take a couple days to figure it out. So, they adjust them correctly. I don't know. I mean, I honestly, Dell is just a cheap stock. It's been a cheap stock. And yes, you know, you're already now, you're What was VMware, VMware, Dennis? Where? What was VMware? They're both cheap. The the, the multiples in both of these stocks is not expensive. Neither of these stocks have been high flyers. And like Tim was saying, maybe this is the VMware. Maybe you need to get away from Dell to do its thing. So obviously, they've been separate companies for a while, but Dell still had that controlling stake for so long. Maybe this is the case where now VMware can get out and do its thing because you think about what cloud stocks have done in the course of the last couple of years, and VMware has pretty much been an underperformer. I mean, It's really gone nowhere in four or five years. So, I kind of, you know, looking at it from that perspective here, um, I I don't know if I'm jumping in right away, but it's on the radar.
4: The VMware uh, didn't adjust that much. I see it trading up, what, a buck 22. Got nice support here. You got three lows in the same area right here. This 125 looks like uh, just under 125, 124. Good support. See if it
3: gets down there today. All right. Well, let's move on to the earnings here. Um, I think this may be for Under Armour, like the best earnings report, one of the best ones that they've they've had. Yeah. Um. There. They. they blew away the numbers here uh this morning. Their EPS 31 cents versus a ten cent estimate sales of one point five five versus one point four eight billion dollars. That was for the backward looking earnings for the forward looking guidance. They actually raised their sales growth guidance uh from uh twenty percent to to twenty five percent year over year. They raised their fiscal year EPS guidance as well from the low fifty cent area to the uh uh Mid seventy four cent area, um, so a, a beat, a beat, and a like nice guidance raise for Under Armour, and and again, I think this might be if, if I go look at the UA in the pro earnings calendar, this might be like one of their best earnings reports that that they've that they've had, frankly.
5: I, ha- I had them both through the report, just, but I had to pair it off. So the UA, I don't even remember which one I was on. I think it was long UA, short UAA, or one of them, one or the other. But these things, I mean, we talked about the share class arbitrage and our educational event a couple of weeks ago. So there's alpha to extract there. At one point in time mm-hmm. after the report here, one was up 10, one was 7. So there was 3% in there. Now it's back to 10 and 10. So, I mean, these things come right in. Um, from the technical perspective, it's a nice gap up. You do have some resistance on the UA at 21 and then more at 22. So I don't know if this is just one that's going to rip-roar higher here. Uh, but we're in a market where everything is kind of hot all of a sudden. This is not the kind of storied stock, though, that I think carries. So I'm, I'm not jumping in up 10%. Uh, 21, great
4: level got uh, all these highs right here. It's also the free market high. It's kind of like the uh, the, the hog of, a, I mentioned yesterday, 40. It did go through 40. It went a little bit higher, but it turned out to be good number. So for UA, I mean, take out 21, hold 21, uh, who knows, but that's a great number. And then whatever the equivalent is in UAA, I think it's about 24 and change here. It's called 24 30.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Just to clarify, someone from the chat said, I, you know, I, I'm long under armor. I was long under armor. I basically scratched on the trade. I think I bought it for like 22 and sold it for like 21, like through like two, like three years later. I sold it last year. So it's
5: it's been a underperformer for a very long time. Is there an eventual catch up trade here? Maybe. I mean, you look long term in UA. Where was UA back 2016? Was 45 bucks. I mean, you're you're 21 here now, five years later almost. So it's, it's, it's underperformed 50, for a long time. 54 in 2015. <laughs> How much was it? Was it was 64 back it's then?
3: 54.
5: Yeah, I mean, and this is like paying sky high nosebleed multiples yep. for retail stocks. It's one thing you're paying for technology where there's a lot more growth, but you know when you've got a clothing store and it's retail. And they're, well, they're apparel and they're just selling. I don't know. Like, I mean, you can't be paying ridiculous multiples for that stuff. And it was trading 50 or 60 <laughs> times earnings at one time. You got to know what you're paying for. So it's reasonable now. The valuation has become a lot more reasonable. Um, and eventually maybe we do get back up to that $40, $50 area. But I don't think, I don't think chasing it up 10% is the way I make money today.
3: Uh, not the only stock is trading higher off earnings this morning. Avis budget, holy cow. This report was good. Their EPS adjusted EPS for the quarter, ten dollars seventy-four cents versus I want to stop
5: you there. Okay. I I saw that number. Okay.
3: How do they make ten bucks a share?
5: Like why is why are the rental car companies all of a sudden just the the thing to be in? Like I don't understand. Why are they making so much money?
3: Is it I don't know, like is it because like people are just living traveling and living And but why are why are the cruise
5: lines not ripping higher why are they, well, why why budget why you know I, and maybe i missed something here but you know i thought uber and lyft were putting damage to you know the rental car company. i don't know I,
3: I maybe maybe jack in the chat has, is. i've wrong. missed the whole story I, I haven't okay, i have not i don't want to speculate because i'll be wrong i don't i'm looking to the report maybe they're selling cars i don't know that's
5: that's what pete is saying they're selling their used cars and making more money but that isn't a long term you know i don't know is there special items in there like they're doing a one billion dollar buyback too i'm not arguing with these numbers i mean they're fantastic yeah. they're I, so good that i don't understand have you that's rent- how good
2: they are i, I don't have know have you rented a car no, Have you, have you rented no. a car lately? No. Have you? That Tell me the story. Yeah. <laughs> so what's going on is that normally when you go to rent cars, like even let's say you use Hotwire or Expedia, they're like, oh, $10 a day. That's what it used to say, at least especially for a lot of places that have a lot of vehicles. Now what you're going to see is more like $150 a day or $200 a day. Jeez. That's what it is. Full retail for that price of that vehicle that you're renting you're not getting a discount at all and so that's where they're catching up they are caught up for last year what they did was they just completely cut discounts maybe, maybe. and
5: i uh, okay. you know we've got multiple other people's you know theories obviously in this too and you're, you sound right Arfin in the chat there are saying people are you know Going and taking, you know, more renting more cars as opposed to public transportation. Yeah, maybe so. I mean, there's that too. uh It's just amazing. Like you just think about where this started, and we had Hertz going bankrupt, you know, a year and a half ago, and you think, well, car is probably going to fall suit, <laughs> and the stock went down to six bucks, yeah, in March of 2020, and now it's like the biggest. You know, this has got to be from the pits and the you know the bottom of 2020. Avis budget has got to be one of the best performers since that you know march covid 2020 bottom like what is like look, look six dollars what percentage is that to 171 i don't even know how to logically get a thousand percent it's 60 so what are you like up three thousand percent in a year and a half it's an incredible story and i mean the money so they're making money and it's actually being justified here They made ten dollars i don't know if they can continue to do that maybe this is just you know Obviously, but, you know, $10, not in the year. They made $10 in the quarter. What were so they
3: expecting?
5: They $6, were $6 uh, Joel. But, Joel, if you take a quarter, if they were able to make $10 every quarter, the thing's $40. It's a trade with a P of, like, 4 Now, that is not going to happen. But that's immediately what, you know, your systems do. They adjust the multiples a lot of times, the system, to grab the current quarter and extrapolate it out over the next. And they say, oh, it's trading three or four times. I mean, that's incredible to think about. It was it was a $3 stock, $6 stock a year and a half ago. Now it's making $10 a share. The turnaround story here has got to be the best turnaround story I think I've seen in, in all, ever maybe. Like the, we were, Hertz went bankrupt. Avis Budget, everybody was banking the same thing. I kind of thought maybe the same thing. And now you're talking about a company that's making so much money. It's an incredible turnaround story.
3: So I don't know, like,
5: I don't want to chase it. Obviously, $182, but I'm like, holy cow, I definitely don't want to short it. I'll tell you that much.
3: Anyway, their sales $3 billion versus a $2.72 billion estimate. You mentioned the buyback. They added a billion dollars to the buyback because why the hell not? Why wouldn't you? You you have too much money, clearly. So, anyway, that's a problem. We got to give it back to shareholders. We don't know
5: what to do. (laughs) I don't know. crazy. What a two-market
4: high, $185.70. And uh, just looking at the chart the last couple days, people were willing to sell it in the 170 handle. So we'll see. I think it's important to take out the pre-market high, keep on going. Uh, The former all-time high, you can use support if you want. That's 181 and a quarter.
3: And then Pfizer also in focus this morning. Their EPS beat, their sales beat. They raised their guidance. And Pfizer is making a big move for, for Pfizer. Right in Pfizer land, uh, you know a buck trading oh, up a, a, buck big move was a big move for Pfizer.
5: So I, I, we we should talk to drugs for two minutes here. Have okay. you seen some of the moves in the drug stocks, Joel? Have you seen the move? Like you know, like there's there's so many that have come. Obviously Merck. You know we know Merck. Wow. Had, you know, but Merck's been breaking out, but they have come back. A lot of these drug stocks, Regeneron. Regeneron came all the way back from five, six eighty, and it got murked, Remember, back just at the beginning end of September, so a month ago, knocked all the way down to five forty. In like ten sessions, it's back to six forty. So I don't know if it's buy the dip mentality, but if you go through all the major drug stocks, Glaxo Smith Klein, even in Europe, you know, looking at those ones, I mean, across the board here, there's been some incredible moves here. I feel like now is the time to actually sell these things because they've run so far. But there's been a nice comeback in a lot of the drug stocks. Pfizer not as much, so Pfizer wasn't participating as much as some of the other ones, but it's come back a little bit too. Wow,
4: that's a big move for this to digest. Got to be some size in there, right? Maybe in the book and a half. 45 the
3: and
5: the half book.
4: is your exact pre-market high. Good volume trading. I had to see if it could take forty-five and a half. Anything on the dailies there? 4537. I keep an eye on that one, especially if it opens goes 4560, boom, then comes back down to that level. So 45 and that. that's a big move for Pfizer. Good call on oh, the book. Huh? Uh, Pfizer.
5: There is 150,000 shares at 45 Joel. That is significant when I'm looking at the book. I see lots of level 9,000, 4,000, 3,000 and boom, 150,000 shares of 45. So that's obviously in the New York Open Book. You can buy that information for $60 a month. I can see what is in the Designated Market Makers book. It's 150,000 shares of 45. That's significant. It takes some money to get through there. It's 15% of the, you know, well, I guess it's not. It's only 8% of the volume today because Pfizer's done a lot of volume. But it's not a coincidence that's stalling out just ahead of that because they know it's going to take some oomph to get it through that 45. So we'll see if we can get through the 45 in the regular session, but that's the next bogey. And that's like, you know, I always equate it to like a big goaltender in hockey. You get the big pads on there, that big order there. And sometimes they make the save, sometimes they kick it through and, you know, they knock it down and they score the goal, but, um, and, and get by it. But 45 is going to be a big level to try to chew through because that's a big order.
3: Um, all right. Um, let's bring on Craig Johnson here. I see him lurking. Backstage, Craig Johnson uh, from Piper Sandler. And Joel, one second. I'm going to get you back on here. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, Craig is the managing director and technical market strategist. Always has great charts for us. Let's bring Craig on the show.
4: Craig, good morning.
0: You have one unheard message. Hi. I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast.
2: Good
3: morning. Thanks for having me back on the show. Thanks for coming back on the show. We appreciate it as always. What what jumps out to you the most right now of all the things happening out there? Is it are are, are you watching like um uh like uh Squid Game coin or or or, or are you are you more a Tesla guy or or what what jumps out to you is like the weirdest thing happening right now. Well, Squidcoin is a zero shot, right? I think yeah. that was established yesterday. So
7: uh, <laughs> there's no need to even bother discussing that on this great show. I think what I'm watching out here at this point in time is two things. Call it a small cap comeback. I mean, look at the yes, yes, yes. the uh, the Russell. IWM, no, let's go, Craig. Let's go. <laughs> Trading right, right at major overhead resistance at this 2360 level. We closed yesterday at 2358. And it looks like today with the IWM, it looks like we're going to be breaking out above that here. Here this morning. So that's a big breakout. If you just sort of measure the base that that is breaking out of, that would suggest that you could have about uh, about 10% upside. So that's one thing I'm watching very carefully today. The second thing I'm watching is take a look at the chart of the socks. The socks broke out yesterday from a nice little consolidation range. And if you sort of measure out the move, you could see on that, that could be another 8% higher. Also I'm watching the XBI. Um, the XBI broke above its 50-day yesterday after making a nice little double bottom over the previous few weeks. And so as you go through this and you see the huge outsized move in the Russell value stocks yesterday, you start to come to the conclusion that perhaps we got sort of a risk on trade yeah. coming into the year end here for the next couple months. And um, typically November and December are strong months. And um, looks like my... Uh, forty six twenty five numbers get approved to be conservative for the year. Even though it seemed outlandish earlier, it seems like it's going to come in a little light.
3: I I love that you mentioned the IWM because I thought yesterday I was watching it like a hawk, and and, and I thought, oh, we're going to get through it. And we, 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 we tried twice, we failed, but we opened above it this morning. I don't know if that really counts i don't think it does well but- the
7: closing price from a technical perspective yeah. it ultimately counts so right. you want to see it move above it close it give yourself a day or so and then you'd call that a legitimate breakout and then you should watch the volume start to pick up and look for that kind of initial move up and then for traders out there yeah. look for that breakout above pull back confirm and retest support and as it moves off of that retest that should prove to be sort of the best and most lucrative sort of entry point i think for traders out there in some of those indices
5: Craig, the rotation in this market has been incredible here, too. I mean, we had Tesla leading the charge, you know, two, three days ago, obviously, pun, pun a little bit intended there. You know, we're, we're, we're talking about a huge rally, 30% rally in eight trading sessions. It pulls back $50 this morning. <coughs> And the market doesn't pull back at all it just rotates into other stuff too i mean this is what has kept this market and the s p afloat really is the rotation it seems like when one stock starts to lag other stocks just pick up the slack and now like you're pointing out there's so many sectors that are actually looking really healthy on the charts
2: completely
7: and when i go through and i look at everything and and let me just touch on tesla real quick i mean the stock got a little bit ahead of itself right so i wouldn't be surprised to see um, a bit of a pullback here. I'm just looking at the charts. I mean, where you broke out from so quickly at that $900 level, people thought it was absurd that on a breakout you'd go to $1,200. But you reached what we thought from a technical perspective was going to be sort of the measured objective, which was going to be around $1,200. So I wouldn't be surprised to see some uh, profit-taking here. Looking forward to come back. But in terms of the rotations inside of the market, I, I Dennis, I completely agree with you. And when I go through and I look at our work right now, uh, I'm not seeing as many of our groups making 26-week uh, new highs as I'd like to. But we are seeing groups in energy that has definitely picked up, and financials that have picked up. Some of the best-performing stocks out there uh, had been in the coal mining stocks. They had been in the top five percent relative strength in the market, um, and nobody even wants to touch these things from the whole ESG perspective, and nobody wants to touch any of the ENPs from uh, the, the entire perspective of uh, how small a percentage energy has gotten. Craig, I, I...
5: sorry. Uh, I by sorry.
7: the way, can I show one chart?
3: Yeah, I'll and do it. You can show more than one chart. Okay,
7: so let's see here. How do I go and take control?
3: You can click share on the bottom there. Okay. And you can share your screen and you can share a specific window and- uh... Let's share the screen quick. Yeah. Uh, let's see,
7: share a screen. And I want to show this screen, and then I'm going to put something up here.
3: almost like the best chart? Well, I want to show people this, right?
7: Because nobody's ever really going to have seen this kind of stuff. This is some of our own yeah. uh, proprietary work, right? Nice. So if I look at the market capitalizations of 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 the entire market, meaning every stock above 25 million market cap and two dollar price, going all the way back to 1969, I want to make a very awesome. simple observation. Or the readers right and, and the listeners and, and watchers here look at how small energy has become yeah. and again i love I, I i'm all for clean air clean water doing all the right things for the environment but i think we got to take a, sort of a measured approach to ultimately getting there we're not going to get there overnight and it, energy is as small as it's ever been going all the way back to 1969 and i just make the observation that every other sector in the market is going to be dependent upon energy and uh if prices start moving to 100 120 a barrel it's not going to help the economic recovery one bit and uh i think everybody simply dismissing energy could be a bit of a mistake over the next uh several months and quarters
3: i'm trying to find another like some something is clearly because technology has gotten bigger and looks like the uh Uh, consumer cyclicals have have gotten bigger. I'm trying to find from what other sectors have they taken from besides energy? I'm trying to find another one that looks like it's gotten smaller here, but I I don't really see any. I think it's utilities.
7: Utilities would be your third one down and they've gotten to be smaller over time. So you look at that and it's like, okay, we don't need electricity. We don't need the utilities. I mean, I, th- those industries are going to be very important for the economic recovery and also the transition to more wind, solar, and other things. It's going to take a lot of
3: old energy to make the new energy everybody wants. And I think that we need to kind of keep that in mind. And, and I guess materials too in line with that. And, and yeah, I, I, I like your point because you, you can think, you know, feel how you want to feel about clean energy and, 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 and global warming and, and all that. But you know, do you really think that, that, like the energy is going to be a small a part of our market as it currently is I mean I, I don't know it, it, theoretically no right history says no so it, it's an interesting it's an interesting visualization for sure correct to see that so,
7: so I just wanted to bring that up and kind of share that with everybody so as you think about it I mean You got a lot of great breakouts happening in the energy names, whether it's stocks like Range Resources or PXD or EOG. And again, they've worked, but they look like they've got a lot more room to ultimately work. I mean, I'm seeing 10 and 11 year downtrend reversals in some of the energy sectors that we look at. And I just can't ignore those as as a technician.
5: Greg, how much of that is the inflation trade where we just are obviously looking and if you want an inflation hedge commodity based you know, assets obviously go up in price if we go into an inflationary environment, how much is that just the inflation trade showing up here?
7: I think that's part of the inflation trade showing up, but I think also the lack of the drill bit over the last uh, handful of years and now the economy recovering coming out of COVID, I think you've got sort of a perfect storm between a lack of drilling supply and um the inflation trade sort of squeezing all of these things I, again um i wouldn't look at the energy sector as done and i'll tell you most portfolio managers are just not interested they keep coming back to me and saying hey it's a small part of the index who cares i'm not going to bother with it you, i'll buy tesla
3: instead do you have a favorite way to play it to play energy um one of
7: the ways that you could play it if you want to play it through the individual equities i would tell you range resources i would tell you eog I would tell you, pioneer, play it from some of those kind of mid-cap kind of E&P companies because I think there's going to be a lot of consolidation that's going to have to take place. If people are not going to want to hit the drill bit, I think a lot of the cash flow that's going to be coming out because the price stacks that are being used by a lot of the analysts out there are sort of in the mid-50s. Well, crude oil right now is in the 80s. So I think you're going to have a lot of pickup in cash flow. I'm not sure they're going to go back to the drill bit given the mandate out of Washington to get to completely a to a carbon neutral scenario by 2030 so people may not invest and if they don't oil prices will continue to keep and be pretty well bid
5: uh, solar uh, trade continues to benefit from higher oil prices mm-hmm. as well I cannot believe some of these moves in these solar names Enphase phase energy we're talking about a stock, 180 dollars 240 dollars in five trading sessions Mm -hmm. um solar edge is another one that's leading the charge and if you just want to look at the tan i mean we've broken out here too on tan solar names are hot as well
7: yeah and take a look at uh even some of the fuel cell companies like fcel if you bring up that chart look at the nice little move off the lows you're seeing in that one too so a lot of those plug power all these names are starting to show nice little moves so i think you're starting to see these names starting to come back which is uh which is great i, I want to see this, these clean energy names ultimately work but um don't forget about the old energy names right now too
5: it's it the market looks so healthy i'm just bringing up a lot of different charts in different <laughs> sectors it's hard to really find charts now that are looking ugly i mean there's well, a lot of sectors obviously there's been some underperformers Pull but... up Campbell's. oh okay there you go <laughs> the food stocks right i mean
7: I just I flagged that one on our uh, institutional morning call this morning, and uh, uh, you know it's it's fun to come on our morning call. Um, uh, we talk about stocks that look actionable, either positive or negative, and um, regardless of what uh, uh, the fundamental analysts have to say, we just kind of call the charts like they are. I feel blessed that we can uh, we have the opportunity to do that here at you know Piper Sandler, but. That's uh, one of these food stocks it does not look uh, particularly healthy in here at this point
3: in time. Yeah, you see Kellogg's on the screen it's it's kind of the same chart frankly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> same chart. They look, pull, identical. Up, pull up Campbell's too. Yeah,
5: yeah. CPB and GIS or, or GIS actually has been okay yeah. that one but I mean look I at mean, your
7: mon- look at your monthly chart and your uh, daily chart there. I did they just continue to keep marching lower in here so until you get a trend reversal there's no need to hurry.
5: And this is kind of like the anti-inflation trade, too, because Campbell's (laughs) margins are getting squeezed here. And it's showing up here, you know, in these stock charts to a certain extent, obviously, with commodities strong and food stocks weak. That kind of makes sense from a logical perspective is that their margins are probably getting squeezed on input costs.
7: Correct. And now parlay that into looking at something like a Shake Shack. Right. I mean, they've got higher input costs from food coming through. They've got higher costs coming from labor at this point in time. I mean, you can start to see some of these restaurants are are breaking, you know, bigger uptrends in here. And it's going to take time for a a lot of these things to start to recover. Wingstop seems a little different.
3: I mean, that's that's interesting you bring up Shake Shack because that's in the group of restaurant stocks that, for whatever reason, was always given a really high multiple. It was them, Domino's, and Chipotle, and and Wingstop to an extent, I guess, as well. And Domino's and Chipotle have actually held up uh, relatively well. Extremely well compared to Shake Shack, um, and and I always lump those three together because they they all, for restaurants, trade at trade at very expensive, uh, PEs and and yet Shake Shack has come well off its highs and the other two really haven't, which is yeah an, an interesting change there. And um, even
7: large cap Chipotle is really starting to kind of roll over to it. Yeah.
3: Yeah, you're right. I guess down 100. You know, it comes down to
7: you got labor costs going up, food costs coming up, and then everybody across every industry group is basically saying, "Hey, we're going to take price. We're not worried about some of these inflationary pressures." And I guess my thinking is, can everybody take price at the same time and still have a positive outcome for some of these names? I put that into the challenge bucket from my perspective.
3: Craig, real quick, you mentioned, you know, having conversations with portfolio uh, managers, and I would love to know how many of such conversations you've had in the last week or two about the Bitcoin futures ETF. If you've heard people express interest or not really. I have not had uh, any conversations about the Bitcoin
7: futures etf i've had lots of conversations about the cryptos across the board you know bitcoin specifically coinbase lots of discussion on because the chart looks great lots of discussion about algo um because that is a very constructive looking name and then some people even brought up the 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 what is it the shiba inu coin or whatever
3: yeah yeah yeah
7: they brought up they brought they brought uh, some of that up too and Again, all these charts kind of look like they're setting themselves up for another leg higher, um, along with Litecoin. Um, so there's definitely some positive things happening here in the entire space, but I haven't heard much discussion at all about playing the the uh, Bitcoin that, futures. That's, ETF. So, that's
3: so interesting because you know that that's that's the big thing is when you launch, when a big ETF like this launches, you it, it needs it needs to attract that the big money from the big from the big asset managers and the portfolio managers and and you ha- you haven't had those questions yet so so TBT on that it sounds like is, is in terms of whether correct we're
4: actually- but i will i
7: will tell you across the entire discussion of crypto it is definitely reaching a point where Everybody's asking about crypto, asking about specific coins they have interest in. And I just would say the interest continues to keep growing. So from my perspective, the legitimacy of the cryptos is picking up kind of month by month. And I think the number one thing is is people may not want to hear this, but I think actually bringing regulation, more regulation into the crypto space would actually lead lead to faster and wider adoption among more institutions. So while it may seem negative up front, Longer term, I think it would be a very positive for the entire industry.
5: Well, I, I think I think so too. I mean, you look at what happened, you know, with uh, the, the coin there from the Netflix game, Squid Game coin. And I mean, there's so many little scams and stuff and the lack of regulation in the whole industry mm-hmm. here is the reason for that. And I mean, if you could get rid of that, you know, like the scam coins, which there's a ton of them out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe you're never going to get rid of it. But if you bring higher regulation into it all, it's going to help.
7: Completely going to help. And it's also going to bring... You know the citadels of the world in to trade these things because they'll trade anything as long as they understand the rules of the road. You know, quote unquote. You know the, the the company management there. So, from my perspective, I think the regulation is coming, and I think it would be uh it'd be healthy.
3: Uh, someone in the chat asked if Craig is on Twitter. No, I don't think Craig. You are on Twitter, correct?
7: You know, I regulations and compliance kind of. Keep me off of Twitter and off of some of the other social media things, but maybe in the future that'll change. But right now, uh, they sort of like to kind of keep me off of some of those mediums.
3: Fair enough. Craig Johnson is the manager, director, technical market strategist at Piper Sandler. Thanks, Craig. Thanks a lot, Craig. Always a pleasure. Thanks everyone. Have a great day. Thanks, all right. Uh, it is eight fifty-two. Let's do some ticker time. Was oh, and actually, let's hit on Chegg for our CHGG. It's not all fun and games Ooh, this morning. It's another not all- one. Not all sunshine and roses in earnings land because Chegg is getting punished off its report. I, I, I'm having, having a very hard time trying to understand or trying to um, uh, predict uh, or make make logical sense of why. Certain businesses are doing well and certain businesses aren't. I don't understand Avis, for example, and I, I don't really understand, you know, the fundamentals of, of this Chegg thing here this morning or last night. But I'll give you the numbers and the, their their EPS was in line and their sales missed and their guidance was, was, was weak. So, uh, you know, all that comes down to a 23 percent, $23 down move this morning. Um, I, I don't quite understand this fundamentally, but that's what it is. To me, this is
2: a clear example of the opposite of what you normally talk about, right? We talk about reopening trades being a positive. This is a reopening trade being a short, a negative, a bearish sign. I think it's a stay-at-home play. Because, yeah, it is a stay-at-home play, and it was viewed as that a lot of school was going to go virtual. Is that the view right now? No, no. I mean, uh, and, and, and from my school.
5: perspective, Mitch, it's such a great point you're making. From my perspective, having the two young kids and we had our son in virtual school last year and he fell behind. I mean, there's no doubt about it. They said and even talking to the teacher, they all fell behind, you know, because in Ontario we had, you know, forced virtual school for however half the year. All the kids, we talked to the teachers, teacher, all the kids are behind. It's not as good. you got to be wait, sitting wait. in a classroom. You know, like, and, and some homeschooling, some parents do a fantastic job. So there's always going to be outliers, but as a whole, I mean, parents are busy. We're doing things. You know, it's hard to, you know, you do virtual school. You put a six-year-old at a computer screen, tell them to sit there for six hours and listen to some teacher. Their brain's going elsewhere in two minutes, three minutes. So sitting in a classroom, they say, "Hey Spencer, you know, pay attention." Type deal. It's not the same when you're doing it on, online here. So, um, it Chegg was an absolutely it was it was a stay-at-home play. And obviously that is not the case. And we've got the reopening trade happening here uh, across, you know, everywhere, really. Kids are
3: going back to the classroom and this is showing up in the stock price. I, wait, here's a question I have for you, though. If everyone is behind, then by definition, no one is behind, right?
5: Well, it's all relative. That's true, too. Right. <laughs> There's a few outliers that they're not behind. But uh, when I was kids. talking to the teacher and this was last year in grade one, my kid was in grade one. And they like they have these levels that goes from zero to thirty five on where you're reading, and you're supposed to be at the end of grade one reading at a level thirty five. Okay. She said the average kid at the end of grade one was reading at a twelve. Oh. To, in a, out of her school, so they're literally that far behind. So like my Spencer was like somewhere in there. He's like he's right in the mix with everybody else. Okay. He's like every single kid is behind. You're like there's always outliers. So I had a few kids that are reading at like a fifth, like at the, the higher level. There's always a few outliers. But on average, the kids really suffered from virtual school. Yeah, and that's why we're not going to go back. And even if we get the next pandemic, I don't think they're going to take us back in a lockdown. I don't think they're going to take us back because there was too many other impacts to our lives. You know, yes, you know, maybe we saved a few lives. But at the same time, you know, obviously, a lot of people suffered. And our kids suffered tremendously in their education. All right,
4: Joel, how does, um, it, how does it chart oh, looking Boy, oh, boy. It's a step-down seller right here. You are below your mate. 220 low of 4124. Just keep an eye on that pre-market low right before the opening bell. See if uh, buyers emerge near that level. Your next monthly low doesn't come until 3253. That was an April 220 low. Don't think we're going to get that, Uh, but just you know, maybe psychological $40 level. But right now, just a step down seller in the after hours. They went to bed at eight o'clock, they woke up at four AM and they kept on selling.
3: Yeah, I mean hey, I, I guess I, I guess you all are right. I guess clearly this is a reopening play in the online slash remote education space is seeing a secular slope. yeah this
5: was a stay-at-home play so the opposite of a reopening i think sorry that's what all you right. Right. that's, so much that's much what that. you meant yeah. we got it yeah okay
3: all right uh what is a chat watching i saw a bunch of tickers fly by in the chat i saw somebody mention uh names someone mentioned steel stocks we're talking about steel stocks every day now it seems like um
5: what but, else? but look
3: You got to sell. This is exactly what I was
5: talking about, is these are cyclical, not even in their nature fundamentally. They're cyclical in their charts too, Joel. I mean, Cleveland Cliffs is a great example. You know, boom, goes from 21 to 26 in three days. Look what it does the next four days. Starts to give it back. And obviously, I was like, it's too much, too fast. These steel stocks are not ones that just go from 21 to 26 to 30. They typically don't do that. They typically give you another chance. I'm going to try to rebuy my Cleveland Cliffs in the low 22s, and I might get it even today. It's 22.86 right now. So I just flipped it out from, you know, 21 to 25 and a half. I think I sold it. And, you know, here I'm going to get a chance to maybe get my stock back at 22. So, I mean, that's why you're buying dips and selling rips on Cleveland Cliffs. Some stocks we've been saying buy the dip, sell the rip. When we're breaking out in the overall market, the sales haven't been very good because obviously stocks continue to go higher. But a tie on these steel stocks, buy the dip and sell the rip is still the way
3: to play these things. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. Um, what else here? Go from the chat. Let's let's look for names that we haven't. What discussed. about Generac? That one had earnings. Last I checked, it was trading a smidge down. I didn't look at the numbers super Midge. closely. Yeah, my it's my hammered. Oh, there, I checked like an hour and a half ago. down forty one dollars. All right, it wasn't really down that an hour and a half ago. Uh, so interesting
4: the, area for you traders. Anyone that's messing with the four hundred, well, it was a five hundred dollars stock. Uh, parallels pair of it's uh split in four fifty five. Pre market low four sixty five, four fifty six fifty five. So a little bounce eight bucks. See if we get back down near yeah, that area. Yeah. Could be potential support.
5: And this stock has been priced for perfection for a long time. It's a company that is fired on all, how I'm to do a pun there, but well, I was going to say all cylinder, but anyways, GNRC, it's not very often. When is the last time they missed? And they missed on the top and they missed on the bottom here. And the stock is priced for perfection because it is not a cheap stock. I mean, what is the PE on Generac? I, th- I think it's up in 60 or 70 times. Like it's not a cheap stock. So when you miss on the top and you miss on the bottom and you are, you know, priced for perfection, that's not the recipe here. This is one I actually would be concerned with buying the dip because they actually missed. It wasn't like this was, you know, a good report and they're just hitting it because of high expectations. This actually missed. So missed on the top, missed on the bottom. The stock was at all-time highs basically going into the report, so it was already high expectations. Then they missed on the top, missed on the bottom. P 62 trailing. So I I don't know like it's not a cheap stock you know are you gonna find buyers in the low 400s I think you could be early just buying the forty dollar dip here though.
4: All right, guys, I'm gonna hop off and see if I can uh, take care of these technical difficulties. Uh, so see y'all later on. I'm okay, I'm Joel. proud that
3: we were able to get Joel on today though. We figured it out. We 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 used our ingenuity and we got Joel on via phone. We'll have it. We'll have it worked out for the at the close show i promise let's do one or two more okay I'm, uh, I'm ready to go. oh gosh like here paypal what is there to say about paypal it's we talk about it every day i don't i don't want to bring that up but it gets no different.
5: no you know what though like it's a it's a it's been a stock and we have been talking about it every day for good reason because it's one of those love stocks it just goes down every day and it's been an incredible like I, we talked with craig there's not a lot of charts that look you know bad well we just pointed out a few of them here he was pointing out the food stocks it's paypal chart has obviously been really ugly here at a certain point in time, is the stock too cheap? I know Kramer bought some more for his uh, Actions Alert Plus or whatever. Because I got the email that he no, bought. It's some, not. Some, it's, it's not some, that
3: anymore. He's doing it on. It's a CNBC thing. Okay. In any regard. Um,
5: At a certain point in time, PayPal will turn it around. I want to wait till it stops going down. Give me a double bottom. Give me a reason. And then the wild card, like I said two days ago, is I don't know if they're going to end up overpaying for something. Because then they could hammer it again overnight. So you could get, like, a nice technical setup. All of a sudden, they announce a deal for something. And then, boom, you're like, okay, well, now they're hammering it again. So I think, you know, those rumors, I don't know if it's necessarily going to be Pinterest. But those rumors could turn into something else, which scares me to own, you know, because obviously they don't want, they can see it's priced in, that they don't want them to overpay for something. They've been hammering PayPal ever since those Pinterest rumors were out there.
3: Some wonky is going on here between Tesla and Hertz, because now the CEO of Hertz is saying that Tesla's already started delivering cars to them, and yet no contract has been signed. There's so always so much drama
5: around Musk. Don't tweets. quite
3: know what is happening.
5: Drama with a capital D. They're yeah, talking about it on CNBC right now too. I have no. Yeah. I, I'm not going to comment on anything with Musk. You don't know. I know he likes to cool expectations off a little bit when it's not. That's the same overheated. tweet. That,
3: that's the same tweet that we showed earlier. It's the same, that's that's what he tweeted. Yeah, no,
5: another show. Well, that's it. You watch our show. You get CNBC an hour early.
3: <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey! All right. Uh, we made it through this show. That'll be a wrap. Dennis, have a good rest of your day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Everyone, live training with Benzinga is going to go live as soon as we're done here. They're ready to go on the other show. So please remember... All the information from our show meant to be used as informational purposes only, not for investing or trading advice. Thanks to our guest today, Craig Johnson. Reminder, Benzinga Pro, free trial, pro.benzinga.com. Smash that like button, please, and thank you. Any questions, comments, concerns, feedback, email us, shows at benzinga.com. All right, I'm going to hop off live training with Benzinga. We'll start live any minute now. And... Have a good rest of your day and uh, stay green.
2: Don't miss your free chance to tune into Benzinga's very own Bootcamp series on November 20th. If you're looking to dive into new concepts and grow your account, this one's for you.